0: Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual radio show.
1: You're listening to You, the Owner's Manual radio podcast on Radio MD, iHeart, or wherever you download us from. Thanks very much for doing that. We have a guest on sleep today, and that's actually gotten to be a much more commonly recognized topic than ever before. Diane Macedo is an ABC News anchor, correspondent. You've probably seen her, um, and she had a sleep problem. None of us probably knew that because she didn't look like she ever did. So she interviewed experts from around the world um, about sleep, and we'll talk to her about that in a few seconds and why that's important for you, Especially if you have a sleep problem, um, the reason we were well, we'll get to that when we talk to her in a few seconds. But I should remind you, we're brought to you by Life's First Naturals and their products, Bovine Colostrum, shown in randomized controlled trials to decrease leaky gut from non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and from too much exercise. Keeps soccer teams performing longer um, and their players staying in the game, as well as True Biotics, probiotic they also offer. That is Life's First com. Diane, uh, the book is called uh, The Sleep Fix, and I guess uh, for people wanting more information, they can get it at the Sleep Fix book. or sleepfixbook.com. But let's talk about your sleep and how you hid it or hid the problem so well for so long.
0: Thank you, and thanks for for having me on. You know, for me, my problem was twofold. I had uh, what's called a circadian rhythm disorder, which most people will recognize the feeling uh, when they have jet lag because that is one of several potential uh, circadian rhythm disorders. Uh, And I also had insomnia. Uh, and so for me, part of my problem was my work schedule and that I was trying to fall asleep at a time my body naturally wanted to be awake and wake up at a time my body naturally Let's go to wanted you. to be asleep. Let's go to your work schedule.
1: You were, what was in your work schedule? So I I can't believe morning anchors, they get up at least when I was, uh, Often interviewed on Today or Good Morning America, it was always the anchor had been up since 2.30 or 3 in the morning preparing for the show, sometimes even 1.30. Um, and so that's a very abnormal time to wake up. What was your schedule?
0: It is an abnormal time to wake up, uh, and if you are a natural night owl, even more so, which I am. So my sleep problem started when I started working at, at 3.30 in the morning. And from there, I moved to a schedule that had me working at 1.30 in the morning. And then I moved to a schedule, which was a true overnight shift, going in at around 10 or 11 p.m. and getting out around 5 or 6 p.m. And then that eventually turned into getting out around 9 or 10 a.m. because I started doing Good Morning America at the end of my shift. And so interestingly enough, when I switched from my job at CBS, which required me to be up at 1.30 in the morning, to doing the true overnight shift, which originally was going in around 10 and leaving around 5 or 6 in the morning, I actually, my sleep changed for the better. I did okay on that overnight shift, again, because I'm a natural night owl. Uh, But it was when I started then having to do Good Morning America, and now I was trying to go to sleep at 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning, that's when my sleep really took a hit, and that kind of snowballed into a bigger problem.
1: So when it started snowballing, I'm going to do some of the, the summary here. You started taking uh, Sleep Pill Ambien, and then you found it didn't work at one point, And then you started to look seriously into the problem. So how did you look seriously into the problem?
0: I started... I mean, first I tried what everybody else does, which is you know you kind of try all the typical listicle top ten sleep tips kind of things, and I just kept getting worse and worse. And so, with some guidance from a sleep doctor and a lot of my own research of reading, you know, textbooks for example, uh, reading books—regular books, but books that were written by clinicians who treat people with insomnia—that's where I started finding my real answer. And a lot of it is rooted in cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, but. I also want people to know that the book is about more than just insomnia. It's kind of a, a much more comprehensive view than just the problems that applied to me.
1: And in fact, um, you go through a very comprehensive, and and so people can get this at Sleep Fix book, but you go through a, a comprehensive basics in Chapter 1 where you end up with... Uh, talking about identifying the problem and how to really identify the problem and differentiate it into, if you will, um, insomnia and into circadian rhythm disorder and into uh, a whole bunch of other things, including sleep apnea. Um, I don't treat kids, so I didn't realize sleep apnea was um, common in children as well. But there are a lot of um, um, issues. I would I would guess in children that I'm unaware of. But let's go and and talk about the the major uh, sleep um, disorders you found and why you think a a sleep diary is so important.
0: Well, I think we're often led to believe that a good sleep tip is a good sleep tip and that if you, you know, read the top 10 sleep lists that will make you fall asleep in five minutes, you know, one of those kind of articles that, you know, if you do all those things then that will improve your sleep, but what will improve your sleep really depends on what it is that's keeping you awake. And so someone, for example, who has sleep apnea, if they try all these you know, solutions for insomnia, that's probably not going to help them at least not very much. And the same works the other way around. And so, you know, I I wanted to start the book there because I think the most uh, important thing to ensure that what you're doing is going to be effective is to make sure you're addressing the right problem. And, you know, something like sleep apnea, for example, is a breathing issue. Obstructive sleep apnea is when uh, something blocks your airway, usually usually your tongue or your throat relaxes or your jaw falls back while you're sleeping, um, and it blocks your airway. And so you can stop breathing up to 100 times an hour, in some cases even more, while you are sleeping and it's almost the equivalent of someone smothering you with a pillow uh, throughout the whole night whereas a circadian rhythm disorder means you're sleeping uh, at a different time than your body clock wants you to be sleeping and waking up at a different time than your body clock wants you to be waking so you're getting sleep signals when you're trying to be awake you're getting wake signals when you're trying to sleep and insomnia sort of textbook insomnia is is a Essentially, and I'm oversimplifying here, but it's generally when anxiety is keeping you in awake. So it's, you know, when, you're, when you can't fall asleep or can't stay asleep uh, for no other, you know, known reason. And usually that's when you hear people describing things like they go to bed and, they, and their mind starts racing. That's sort of your textbook insomnia. There are, and there are several others in restless leg syndrome, PLMD, narcolepsy, which is much more subtle than people think. Lots of people have narcolepsy and don't even know it. All of these things require different solutions, and so I think it's really important rather than trying a really long list or even a book full of sleep tips to try to narrow down what your problem is so then you can figure out what the best tips are going to be for you.
1: And in fact, that's what this book does brilliantly, I must add, that um, you first identify the problem and then there are chapters on how to handle that Uh, from what I would call the experts you interviewed, as well as your own take on it. Um, I'm just curious about one that you said, uh, narcolepsy is more common than we know. Elaborate on that, would you?
0: It is, and and yeah, I'm happy to. I, I think that we often, and myself included, before I started reading more about it, I think we think of narcolepsy as the way it's often depicted in movies, like, you know, it's someone falling asleep in their soup or some other kind of funny scenario, when the reality is much more subtle and far less funny. You know, it's someone, usually it's someone who falls asleep in the waiting room or maybe falls asleep, you know, in class. And, and we don't think of that as being a, a representation of, of narcolepsy. We might think of those things as being pretty normal. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean narcolepsy. It could be any number of sleep issues, but it's a, that's a sign that something is wrong and, and you need to do some more investigating to figure out what it is that is keeping you from getting a sufficient amount of sleep. Um, but there are there are quite a lot of people who are suspected to be walking around with narcolepsy right now who have no idea that they have it. And one of the people I interviewed for the book was Ginger Z, who is the chief meteorologist for ABC News. And she does have narcolepsy. And it took her years. And she started exhibiting symptoms when she was a teenager, which is quite common. And she didn't find out until many, many years later. And it was a, it was actually a boyfriend of hers who told her, I think you have a sleep disorder. And she had already gotten into like three car accidents by then and a number of other issues. And the other thing I think people don't don't realize, and I didn't realize until Ginger was telling me about it, is when someone suddenly goes unconscious, which did happen to her twice while she was doing kind of a stretch, the stretch portion of a workout class she was teaching. You know, in the movies, everyone's always snoring, so you know they're sleeping. But in real life, it doesn't really happen that way. So in Ginger's case, she just passed out. And when that happens, you don't generally assume the person is sleeping, right? Ginger just thought she passed out, so she had her heart checked. She went through all these different medical tests. And so I think people, when you don't don't realize until you start asking people who've lived it, how easy it is to kind of um, to confuse these sleep disorders for other problems, and that can really delay a diagnosis and delay a treatment, which can you know either change or maybe in some cases save your life.
1: And we, since someone's listening who probably has narcolepsy, what do you do for that?
0: Well, narcolepsy is one of the more complicated um, ones to treat. So that's not going to be a DIY solution. Some of the things in the book are things you can do at home. And narcolepsy is one that if you, you know, what my mission with the book when it comes to narcolepsy is to educate people on the signs of it, particularly the more subtle ones. So people, you know, maybe reading might think, wait, I might have this. And in that case, you want to go, you want to get checked, you want to have a sleep study done to confirm that you have it. And that's something that normally is, is, treated with medications. But the beauty of it is they've come a long way with these meds. And it can, I mean, literally change your life. You can suddenly feel fresh again and start sleeping better at night, feel more awake during the day. And so it's not necessarily, there's no known cure for narcolepsy to my knowledge, but they've learned to manage it in a way that makes your life so much more enjoyable and livable. Um,
1: talk to me about one of the the. Things that people question is, can they change their circadian rhythm? That is, without moving to a different uh, zip code, if you will. And so you're doing <laughs> the the night show in uh, Washington D.C. from Hong Kong. Um, but uh, and and by the way, one of the one of the crazy things that that is is uh, the Cleveland Clinic has radiologists to interpret X-rays around the world, so that everyone is in their daytime when they interpret. X-rays. A X-ray, no matter where it's taken in the world, but it's interpreted during the radiologist daytime or peak hours. Um, and in order to do that, which is one of the crazy things, you have to be on U.S. property to be able to bill for it. And so the way that's done is uh, the clinic has, has I think, uh, acquired some State Department properties that were going to be retired and because they're state department properties, they're US properties as i understand it. But what i want to really know is how do you can you change did you find evidence that you can change a circadian rhythm by practice or other means?
0: It's it's kind of a tricky answer because no you can't change your circadian rhythm per se, but you can sort of trick your circadian rhythm into thinking it's a different time than it is. So it's it's a little bit different. The mechanics you're not changing necessarily your biology and and your your what your body clock wants to do, whether you're a morning person or a night owl, but there are lots of things you can do to make your brain think that it's a different time of day than it actually is, and that's sort of where things come into play, right? Because if you think about when you travel, and this is kind of what set me off uh, on onto the you know curiosity mission that became the circadian rhythm section of the book Um, because people often talk about circadian rhythm being this insurmountable obstacle. And that often leads to people who have weird hours like I did for many, many years. When we're seeking answers, we're often just told you have to quit your job. And I just didn't think that was realistic. I wasn't willing to do it. And I I thought there had to be better answers out there. But think about when you travel.
1: And you did love your job. You
0: eventually, I did. I did. Absolutely. When you have jet lag and you travel, you eventually adjust. Why? Because of when you see light, when you see dark, the time that you eat, the time you exercise, and when you're awake and asleep. And so I figured if we can, if we eventually adjust to jet lag when we travel, then we must be able to use those same tools to sort of trick our circadian rhythm if we're working off hours here at home. And so that's kind of the very basic description of how you go about, you know, making it easier to fall asleep and wake up at the right times when you are having to wake up at a different time than your body clock naturally wants you to. And that can be because of shift work, but it can also be because you're a night owl working a normal morning schedule or, or vice versa.
1: Um, so the book we should say is called, and it's outstanding, The Sleep Fix by Diane Macedo, and you can get it more information at sleepfixbook.com. That's right. It's not the sleepfix for the website. It is sleepfixbook.com. Is that correct, Diane?
0: They'll actually both take you to the same place. The sleepfixbook.com or just sleepfixbook.com. It will all send you to the right page.
1: Um, and uh, since many people, uh, we used to say sleep was the most unrecognized or underappreciated uh, wellness activity, it's now appreciated much more, um, but it still is under treated and I think under uh, successfully treated. Uh, Diane has created in the Sleep Fix um, a great place to start and. Will you should uh, think about this. It, it's a book that won't put you to sleep, but will tell you how to do it. Thanks very much, Diane, for being on. I should also mention that our sponsor is Life's First Naturals. life First Naturals.com is where you can get bovine colostrum or 2Biotics, and um, they are products that have been shown in randomized double-blind controlled trials to be a benefit if you're a serious exerciser or taking non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or just want to prevent an upper respiratory infection. That is lifefirstnaturals.com. Diane, thank you very much. The Sleep Fix, outstanding. And Caitlin, thank you for engineering and especially thank our audience. We'll be back next week. This is 1075B. Tell your friends about it.